Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey dave yeah randy since we founded bombas we've always said our socks underwear and t-shirts are super soft any new ideas maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy wait what i got it bombas absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness because one purchased equals one donated wow did we just write an ad yes Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. February 22nd, 2021. Exploring what happened to the Texas power grid. This is awesome today. Awesome today is a daily show, even though it technically isn't every day. It is barely edited and sometimes offensive. It is a good show. Some might even call it awesome. If you are friends with someone who doesn't think this show is awesome, you deserve better friends. Hi. Hi. Happy. Growl. Monday? The 22nd. Is it already? February. 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 I don't know. Two. 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 Oh, one. Nope. Oh, two, 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 oh, one. Nope. The oh, one is wrong. What the heck? It's 21. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I went back in time two days. You did. You did. I'm not willing to go back. These are better times than those were, despite <laughs> COVID and everything I else. I wasn't even, like, registering. I was like, wait a second. It's not oh, one. Right? Nope. It nope. sure isn't. In oh, one. We were moving to Fort Worth this well, month. Well, I was moved. Already, because I was working, you came along slightly on the heels, and you would be working at Starbucks right about now. Getting ready to. Is that what you want to do again? It was not a bad time in my life. Is that what you want? I don't want to do it again, but it was not a bad time. It was a a challenge in my life. Yes, it was. So thanks for being selfish. Welcome to Awesome Selfish Today. (laughs) (laughs) Ha-ha! It's the 22nd. There's two holidays today, and I'm going to give you... Dear listener, I'm going to give you your pick. Okay. If you want, you can celebrate California Day today. Or, if you want, you can celebrate Margarita Day today. I know what I'm celebrating. Yeah, and it ain't California. It's margaritas. You could get a margarita in California on this California Day. It's doubtful. I mean, we can't travel there, but... It'd probably be like a kimchi with a shot of something. Kimchi margarita? Do you think that exists? If it does, it's a... It's a travesty. It's intriguing. Kimchi is worse than what I flushed down the toilet. I don't agree. Hey. You're wrong. It's okay. 
what I wish I was drinking instead of this limoncello LaCroix is a margarita. Have you noticed, because we, we get these uh, big flats of LaCroix at Sam's because mm -hmm. we drink a lot of LaCroix. Careful, you almost karate chopped me in the face. Okay, have you noticed how the limoncellos are the very last picks? They are. Nobody wants that limoncello. I don't understand it. It's the only one on the flat that's drinkable. For you? Yeah. Okay. I still like it okay. The kids do not like it. Okay. Anyway, that's what I'm drinking. It's interesting. It's interesting. I would like to point out that neither you nor I are wearing clothes no. that we intended to wear for those of you who consume this through the video format. You and I both started out today, Sunday, as we record, wearing different clothes. Yep. Bad things have happened to both of our things. I had on a delightful white Oxford cloth button-down shirt and one of the idiot damn dogs who'd been outside in the soupy mess of the backyard came in and before I could stop her, jumped up and left mud all over my shirt. She did. She did. I picked up our toddler off the stairs where he was coughing, and within five seconds, he literally threw up on me. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be sick. Just got, you know, all of our boys are easy pupils. Yeah, I ate too much. Literally. They all three have done that. Mm -hmm. And so it happened, and we're still without a washing machine. Makes yeah. things awesome. So our basement's full of vomit and mud. Yes. It's a great basement. You should have one. <laughs> We are off to a brilliantly awesome start it's, this Monday. It's a little bit of a grind into the Monday. That's okay. It doesn't mean it can't be awesome. It just means it takes a little more work. We thought we'd do a little bit of a different format today. Okay. Is that okay? I guess. Is that a, Do you mind if I tell them that? Uh, somebody has to. Awesome today, fam. Um, so we don't have any, like, birthdays if you were born on this day. If you were born on this day, first of all, happy, happy birthday. birthday. And it was someone else's birthday. Yes, and we hope that the year ahead is filled with awesomeness and blessings to you. At least this day. Yes. This day and many more. Um, you and I have had a lot of conversations over the weekend mm -hmm. because now in the aftermath of the winter storm that absolutely was ravaged over Texas mm -hmm. a lot of states, but Texas felt the brunt of it for various reasons, including the different ways energy and infrastructure intersect. And in this case collided to bring some very um, difficult times for our friends in Texas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, in the aftermath of that, there have been a ton of, think pieces, regular news reporting, TikToks, all kinds of things. Everyone wants to put their spin on what happened in Texas. I mean, I'm not even kidding when I say even on TikTok. I watched a TikTok that had me alarmed. Yes. And I asked you to watch it um, to see the accuracy. Now, do you have a degree in energy management? Kind of. Not exactly. No. But kind of. But here's the thing. I was with you by your side, not in the trenches of this, but you spent a couple of months last year? Yeah, it started in, probably started in 2017. Oh, really? Yeah. That far back? Yeah. Okay. Well, you and I personally, as human beings, um, are invested in a, we could call it like alternate energy startup company. Alternative energy, yes. yes. Startup company, yes. It's a different technology. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so as part of that, being part of that organization as investors and 
beyond you have served a role for that company. Yes. Uh, why don't you say more? Because I don't want to say that. I don't want to use the wrong verbiage. Yeah, and yeah. Us into any kind of legal trouble. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> we don't like legal trouble. No. Um, in fact, we don't like any trouble, Mm-mm. as it were. Fancy that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So our investment in this startup company is twofold. One is a a monetary investment. The other is uh, call it a trade of labor for shares Mm -hmm. in the most simplistic of terms. And so I've served as a, I don't know, the cleanest way probably to view it is as a a C-suite advisor. Mm -hmm. And while by title I could probably adequately call myself the unofficial CFO, um, the, the advisement, the my involvement on that front has been far beyond what would be restricted to a financial officer purely. It Anything that I'm involved in, and I know a lot of people would feel the same way about anything they're involved in, the, the ethical, the right, the noble thing to do is to be as good as you can be. Yes. And so because I, I was receiving benefit for my involvement, I, I felt very compelled, well, make your advice worthwhile. Yeah. Don't just be a slappy. Mm-hmm. And so I have spent a lot of time looking at the existing grid, how it works, top to bottom, from the perspectives of how do we fit, we being this this energy startup, how do we not fit, how do we compete, how do we not compete, what's our strength, what's our weakness, just all layers, all layers through to say, what is what is the place where we fit so that we know how to talk about ourselves, so that we know who to talk to and who to not waste our time with, right. and as well as learning the the lingo. Every business has its own language system, sure, yes. and this one certainly does. Yeah, and the the science involved uh, to be responsibly participating is is not small as well. Right. So yeah, I've spent a lot of time with it, and I would. While I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I'm, I'm the expert, mm-hmm. um, and I would say it like that. Of course you uh, would. That's how you say most things. What I will say is I've yet to read an article. I've yet to consume any media that made me feel like the person that's presenting this media knows more than I've learned mm-hmm. out, of, out of a sense of responsibility and necessity, which makes everything that's being said feel deeply irresponsible, deeply misleading, and that bothers me. It does. You like for people to know this is the rundown, even if what is being talked about, it's a little complicated, it's a little complex. Well, well, whether you want to be pleased with something or righteously angry about it, the only way you can meaningfully meaningfully be either one is if you kind of know what the hell you're talking about. Yes. All right. So when you say I've spent a lot of time for the average person, I feel like I spent a lot of time reading about this means couple of hours, maybe four or five hours at the high end, you, like you said, going back years, have been consistently educating yourself, learning the ins and outs. It's more than a four to five hour deep dive. Here. Yeah. If, if you wanted to try to put it in the form of a time clock, like eight hour work day, mm-hmm. if, if that's your constraint, considering it from the perspective of an eight hour work day, then I, I'm somewhere between probably five and six months worth of okay. work days because it's been a, it's been a very significant investment yeah. of, of my time and efforts to comprehend what's happening here. Okay. Well, here was our kind of idea for our conversation today, because even though I have heard you 
break this information down, process it out, but vicariously educate me on all that you're learning over the years in the realm of energy. Even still over the weekend, I, I saw one specific TikTok actually with a, a man who is mm-hmm. uh, some kind of, I don't know, he has some kind of background in understanding the energy realm. And he put together a little TikTok basically saying, hey, what happened in Texas is just indicative of how fragile the entire energy grid is in the United States. And what happened in Texas, basically, we're in a matter of minutes at any given time of it happening everywhere. Right. And so that's a little bit spooky. And I figured if I'm seeing things like that on an app like TikTok, that probably lots of our awesomes in the wake of everything that's happened in Texas are seeing think pieces and, and other, you know, just news articles, headlines, maybe talking heads on TV, breaking down what happened and extrapolating that to the bigger picture in the United States. And I'm just wondering what you can do to help us feel like, okay, let's start with the number one question. Is the United States mere minutes away from a massive energy breakdown? Yes, but not like you think. (laughs) Okay, yikes. And do say more about that. Okay. Well, I think it's valuable to at least have a a 30,000 foot view, a comprehension of kind of how the whole thing works. Let's start there. Okay, so there's, there are three facets, arguably, again, this is the simplified version. Sure. There are three facets to the industry. Okay. There are those who actually produce energy. Right. There are then those responsible for transmission. And transmission, these, if you've ever driven through the countryside outside of the city proper, you've seen very huge, very high off the ground lines running across the land. That's transmission. Yeah. That then lands at transformer stations that gear everything down. And then from that transformer station throughout our neighborhoods, these are the either buried or overhead lines that are all around our properties. That's distribution. That's the third phase. So as we talked about with our ice storm in the fall, a lot of neighborhoods that were impacted were because we have overhead lines everywhere. Distribution was wrecked. Yes. Going back to production, what mm-hmm. are some of the big, like conventional, currently operating modes of of energy production in the United States right now? Nuclear, okay, coal, natural gas, and then you have uh, wind and solar mixed in. I think in some places as high as as arguably, arguably, and it's a it's a bit of a fallacy. 25-ish percent range of the mix. And so within any region, and that's another consideration here, is that the nation is broken up into regions. Okay. Um, And in fact, it's not just the nation that's in these three regions, that it pushes north into Canada, it pushes south into Mexico. Um, It's more than just the continental U.S., as it were. Okay, interesting. And so, if you don't mind, just one quick question to follow up. You said nuclear, coal, and natural gas. Those are like the big three Mm -hmm. in terms of energy production. This is where Mm -hmm. we are getting our electricity from. Yes. Is there one right now, 2021, that's bigger than the other and or does it depend on what region of the country you live in? There is. Let me let me save that oh, okay. and come back to it in a moment mm-hmm. because it is an important part of the conversation. Okay. okay. Um, so you have these regions. They're called interconnects. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, they are all attached, believe it or not. Um, Texas is unique in that their interconnect is their state. 
Yes. So this came up a lot. Oh, Texas mm-hmm. is its own energy island. I saw that used in a couple of things. Or Texas it's is an inaccurate piece of language. It, or but saying, they are separate yeah, to a degree. Saying Texas is disconnected from the rest of the United States. And that's not true. Okay. That's where things begin to, to fall apart. The interconnects, they are all each of the, the three majors that would make up the United States and surrounding, they are all connected, but the connection isn't closed, meaning they're not communicating. You can close that switch at any point in time mm-hmm. to draw power from one interconnect into another, but it is something that is not commonly done. So they are presently, under normal circumstances, they are closed off from each other or they are not? The connection's open, which means they're not sending back and forth. Think of a circuit. You have to close the circuit for electricity to pass through. Okay. If the if the circuit's open, nothing's passing through. So the connection's there. Yeah. It's open. Okay. So they're not sharing. None of the none of the interconnects are sharing back and forth. That literally is it feels it's backwards <laughs> language. And there's there's honestly so much about all of this that feels like backwards language that you can get to a point where you're fighting adamantly for something, but you're actually fighting for the opposite thing because you didn't understand the language. That just right there is so confusing. Okay, but so they are open, these interconnects are, mm-hmm. which means that they are sort of operating yes. independent of each other. Yes. Okay, wow. And this has more to do with the financial side of things than anything. Okay. Um, because there is, oof, this is also big. There is a, call it an exchange, and I think that may even be what they call it. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's very similar to a stock exchange mm-hmm. in that people would go to the exchange to buy and sell stock. Yeah. Or people would go to the exchange to buy and sell energy. Yeah. That happens. Absolutely. Um, just as simple as it sounds. At a very rapid pace, it's typically... There are some purchases made long, long-term long outlook, but uh, oftentimes it's a it's a 24-hour market. You're You're trying to buy today what you expect you will use tomorrow. And sometimes even within 15-minute intervals, that that transaction is still going on when you've figured out that you're going to use more than you'd anticipated, things like that. And as convoluted and terrible and slow as it all sounds, it's actually very fast. It's actually very efficient. That's why we don't typically have problems with when I turn on my light switch, the light comes on. Right, yeah. Um, Okay. So those are... The energy grid, uh, what did you call them? Interconnects. Interconnects, mm-hmm. okay. And so each interconnect has its own exchange. And honestly, there's, a, there's I think there's multiple exchanges within inside okay. the entirety of each interconnect. But that's, it's a little bit of, just like there's, again, this is probably relating something from the perspective that still doesn't make sense to anyone, but there's multiple stock exchanges out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, same same kind of flavor of things. Okay, so here in Oklahoma, we're part of the SPP, which yes. is the... Southwestern Power Pool. And that covers a variety of states. Yes, it runs from Oklahoma, I think, north, if not to the Canadian border, perhaps slightly past it, and then east and west of that central corridor, just a little bit here and there. Okay. Now, there, even still, that Southwestern Power Pool, it still operates within one of the major interconnects. There are many other operators. And that's that's another facet of this is that each interconnect has multiple operators within it who are not-for-profit entities okay. who are basically traffic controllers. Okay. They're not producing, they're not transmitting, they are not distributing, they are running the traffic of all of that. Traffic they're control. organizing it. Okay. And so they're not so that they can act free of conflict of interest, they don't have 
a stake in mm-hmm. a particular power company. And all the power companies have agreed will will let this theoretically non-influenced entity be responsible for conducting all of the transactions and telling us when to turn on, when to turn off, when to deliver, when to stop, okay. all of that. So we're part of the SPP, but then in comparison, and this is what has been alluded to in a lot of news articles, Texas is has its own, like it's called ERCOT? ERCOT, E-R-C-O-T, Energy Reliability Corporation of Texas, maybe something like that. So if you've been reading the news and reading the breakdowns of what happened in Texas, then you've probably come across ERCOT yes. in that. And so they are the air traffic controllers per se of energy flow and management in just for, in the state of Texas. For their interconnect, for which their just interconnect. so happens to be the state of Texas. How Actually, did, it's like 90% of the state of Texas. How did they get to have their own thing? Is that... So relevant to the conversation? It is. Okay. It is. It it was a conscious decision, undoubtedly. Um, Understand that whoever it is that you participate in, that that group, however many of you there are, that group has its own legislation. Okay. Now, just like just like one of our any individual state within the nation is both subject to federal and state laws, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Similarly here, there's still federal guidelines that apply to ERCOT, mm-hmm. but by restricting who all gets to participate, what they're doing is they're becoming more nimble. Okay. And they're having a greater say-so for themselves and their current government and everything else to say, no, we'll, we'll control, we don't give a shit what Oklahoma thinks. We care about what we think and know. And, and in all fairness, the geography of Texas varies so dramatically oh, from yeah. north to south to east to west. Yes. They don't need other people stepping in and looking out for their own interests that may in fact conflict with the already delicate balance of trying to manage the whole area. Okay. So, yes, to some degree it's a version of independence and don't tread on me. Mm-hmm. But from another perspective, it's about efficiency of management of a very diverse ecosystem. Okay. All right, so let's go back to the original question, which was, is the nationwide power grid minutes away? Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no, but mostly no? Mostly no. Okay. Um, can I go one other place first? Sure, yes. Okay. So when it comes to what we use, uh, which would be demand, mm-hmm. what kind of demands are placed on the system, and how is that met? Well, there's a, there's a baseline level of demand. If you looked from January 1 through December 31st of any given year, and multiple years are examined to see when is the most energy used? What's the, in the least amount of use, usage, what is the amount that's always used? Okay. That would be your baseline. Yes, okay. And so for your baseline, you want the cheapest yes. production because it's the one that's just, it's like it's on all there. the right. time. Yes. Right. Think about your basic wardrobe. Yeah, okay. Or, or any other thing that you would consider. Well, this is the base level. Yes. Well, if you know that's always, I'm always going to wear underwear and undershirts, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And so that's that's what this is. It's the underwear and undershirts and bras and panties and all that good stuff yes. of the energy world. That must be there. You're making it sexy. Yeah, it is sexy. sexy. Energy management. Sexy. Yeah. Um, so you want to use something that is cheap. And and as it works in the energy world, undoubtedly other places as well, the less responsive something has to be, then the cheaper it becomes. Okay. The more the more attuned, the more 
nimble, the more flexible something becomes, typically you lose efficiencies and it becomes more expensive. Yes, okay. And so for that baseline production, you would want, for cheapness, for reliability, all of that, you would want nuclear and or coal. Okay. Both of those technologies are tremendously reliable, mm -hmm. super cheap, mm -hmm. super cheap to run them. So they are ideal for that. Now, you can't just flip those on and off at yeah. a whim. Because, like, they're the between the tortoise and the hare, this is the tortoise. This is slower than the tortoise. It's the tortoise with no legs. <laughs> wow, that guy. It's a sad tortoise. Graphic. It's a sad tortoise. Okay, but so it takes a long time for it to fire it can take, up. It can take one to two weeks for a nuclear facility to come fully online. And you don't want to rush it, right? Yeah. It's a nuclear it's facility. Nuclear. And then on the alternate side, if you did have to shut it down, it probably is going to take some time to ramp down. Too. It'll take a little bit of time that shuts down a lot faster than it starts up. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So this is, this is slow and steady wins the mm -hmm. race. Okay. Then you have intermediate. And again, seasonally, your intermediate load will change. Your base load should never change mm -hmm. or very minimally at that, but the intermediate load, that's going to change a little bit more season to season. Yeah. What's going on. And even still, even within that, you're probably looking any, any nowadays anymore, you're probably looking at a heavier load of natural gas, but with a very specific type of turbine involved, okay. a very specific type of generators involved that are geared towards, I don't have to respond as quickly on a ramp up or ramp down which means I can still produce more cheaply. Okay, all right. And then your last... Wait, so just as an example, I'm sorry mm -hmm. to interrupt again. Okay, but so let's just say Oklahoma, we have pretty seasonal weather here, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got our spring and fall, which is pretty temperate, but in the summer, we want those ACs running all yes. the time. And so uh, so we might have a base baseline going all the time, but then in the summer, we would be relying on intermediate... Even even to part. some degree in the winter, potentially you'll like a cold snap, all of that. You'll have intermediate more. So your your intermediate load is going to vary okay. more significantly from summer to winter. Okay. And then your final piece of the wait, equation. Wait, wait. Also, and this is layered on top of the baseload. Yeah, baseload's so always running. It's always running. Intermediate can be layered on top, and then the last one. The last one is your peaker. Okay. Peak, peak yes. production, and this would be related to the peaks in usage. That's why it's called a peaker. Yeah. Pretty simple language system for that. Yeah. This would be, hey, it's only maybe a one, two, three hour window in the course of any given day where there's something required beyond what's been anticipated from the intermediate load. Okay. And so a peaker facility is only going to run mm -hmm. for those few hours here and there and not necessarily every day and all of that. These are, again, these are going to be natural gas facilities. It's going to be a different turbine, a different setup uh, generation with everything so that it's, it's as instantaneous as generation can be. Yeah. You can flip that switch on, turn that switch off and patch it up. All of this because as we use energy coming from first transmission lines, then through transformers, then into distribution, um, those lines need to stay within an ideal range. Okay. And if you pull a whole bunch out in a hurry, you got to add it back in, in a big oh, damn hurry. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because they need to keep it in that optimal place. If there's too little or too much, 
you can have blackouts, you can have basically the equivalency of a breaker being thrown yeah. where things shut down. And so you need to keep it in there. Likewise, probably everybody's experienced a brownout or yeah. at least heard about one. This is a, a moment where you're not a blackout, but there's not enough power in the system and your your devices are actually your, your refrigerator, your lights, things can be damaged mm. because they're operating below the ideal frequency and all that good stuff. Okay. All right. So those are the three fundamental mm -hmm. sort of like energy uh, need classifications. Yes. Okay. All of that is balanced beautifully by as you referred to them, the air traffic controllers, okay, the ERCOTs, the these groups that manage, they're looking, they're looking at long-term data, short-term data, and immediate data on rolling anywhere from fifteen to five-minute periods. They're monitoring the hell out of everything, yeah, and they are, they will have scheduled ahead of time to know. So I've got my base load running. I've got. Intermediates, some of who are online, some of who are ready to come online, some of who are ready to turn off so we can adjust in any direction. And then also kind of the same thing. We've got these peaker facilities all waiting to hear from us. Turn on, turn off. Okay. So that they keep the management, the line management ideal so that whatever device it is, when you turn it on, it turns on and runs. So, um, and that's on, that's any given day, just like a regular yes. run of the mill day. Nothing went wrong today. This is just how life works. That's, just, that's constantly, even though we might just walk into our dining room, flip on the light switch, we have light. We don't realize the intricacies, mm -hmm. the, the constant adjustment, just like planes are flying over our house all the time. We never think about right. the traffic control that's going on to get planes in it out of Oklahoma City Airport. Same thing. These are constantly being decided. Now, some news reports that I read, again, we don't know always how supremely accurate those can be, mm -hmm. um, but some of them had said that ERCOT in Texas had assured Governor Abbott ahead of the winter storm, we're good to go. We, mm -hmm. we got this handled. However, the storm itself uh, hits, and then we have millions of people in Texas who have lost power. And right. We have not talked about other public utilities like water, like highway yeah. systems. This may come into place. We're talking about Texas specifically, and then I feel like we could back up and then, again, sort of blow this out into what this says about the national power grid. But just talking about in Texas, we have this major, massive winter storm. Meteorologists have been predicting it. The state knew it was coming. What happened? A lot of things. Okay. And that's part of the difficulty. Right now, Everybody wants to know what the hell happened. Right. But when they ask that question, nobody really wants the answer that is to be provided. What they want to know is who individually can yes. I point the finger at? Who is the scapegoat? Who yeah. is to blame? And likewise, every one of the parties involved wants to be sure to shift that blame well, around. Yes. So you're not going to get a straight story from anyone. But okay. in fairness, there's not a straight story to be told. Okay. You have a lot of factors that play in. Okay. Now, I could be... Wrong in this statement. I have found, remembering our three parts, yes. there's generation, there's transmission, there's distribution. Yes. I have found nowhere that has pointed to transmission being a problem. So transmission, if we're thinking back to our visuals, transmission are the power lines that take from the big substations. They go yep, from substation to generation. 
So generation, so from your nuclear power plant, right. they run through those big power lines to a substation, but this is not what carries it from the substation to your house. Correct. That's distribution. Correct. Okay, so we're talking from the big source mm -hmm. to the substation. These are higher than any tree. Yes, okay. And so you're not going to get tree damage. They're not in mass. They aren't big enough to get an accumulation of ice that's going to cause them to break and fall. Okay. It's a rarity. Okay that you have a problem with those. There has to be something like a tornado. Right. There has to, or yeah. some some trucker that drove a long distance off the main road, somehow managed to keep momentum and hit one of these. Okay. It doesn't happen. Yeah. These, and it doesn't matter how old they are, all of the, to a degree. I mean, obviously anything with enough age gets funky, but that's not where the problem is. If it were, Somebody would have flipped shit that direction to spread the blame, but that's not where the problem exists. So if it wasn't transmission... Let me, let me add one more oh, thing. Okay, sorry. The only time that you can run into true transmission problems, it's not because the lines came down. Okay. It's because where is generation located? Do we have just around the block from us a giant generation facility? No. Now they're typically located outside of populous areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like... Nobody wants that nuclear power plant in their backyard. That's right. That's right. And just like, where are... Where do you find solar farms? Where do you find wind farms? Yeah. Well, they're out in the countryside. Out in the country. Mm -hmm. And so the one problem you can have definitively with transmission is line congestion. Oh. If all of your generation is occurring away from the source of use... Yeah. You can run into a problem of getting it all to... The point of usage in a in a timely fashion if there's not enough transmission capacity on the way into where it's being used and that might come back into the conversation where we talk about texas right i don't i don't foresee that that's a significant problem in texas okay for that matter there's not a ton of places in the u.s there's a few here and there along the eastern seaboard i can't speak to california any longer i know at one time that was an issue it may have been alleviated by now I've not seen, just because population is not as dense throughout the center of the country, Okay. I don't see that instance as common. There's some very mild issues here and there with it that typically get alleviated pretty quickly. Okay. Um, you definitely see it, if, if you're at all familiar with the renewable, excuse me, I belched like an ape. Right in the middle right of your middle. energy lecture. If you're familiar at all with renewable energy, and especially overseas and how it's occurred, you might have heard at some point in time of some of the difficulties faced in Germany where the bulk of wind generation is done along the northern region. A bulk of industrial use, which is the biggest use, is in the southern region, and they do periodically have problems with line congestion getting it okay. from generation to consumption. Okay. All right, so if it's not transmission that had a problem when the winter storm hit in Texas, that leaves either generation or uh, distribution. Both. Okay. Both. All right, let's hear it. And neither one of them solely their fault. Okay. And this is why, again, you can't you can't villainize one. Yeah. Um, from the distribution perspective, I mean, how many how many hundreds, how many thousands of lines do you think were down from snow and trees and ice and things that beat up lines? I mean, just based on our ice storm experience last fall, I'm thinking like a massive amount. A massive amount. I think that's a very fair statement. A massive amount that was problematic there. Mm -hmm. Now, for those to get fixed, somebody has to be able to get into a truck. A crew has to be able to get into a truck and come to that area, assess what's going on, get the parts needed, get it repaired. Mm -hmm. And if, in fact, your road crews, completely different industry, right? Right. If those are inadequate to get the roads cleared so that these trucks can travel, yeah. 
well, you got a problem. Yes. You can't get there to fix what's broken. Right. That plays into it. Okay. And not in a small way. Yep. And it's no fault of the road. Or I'm sorry. It's no fault of the of the repair company. The linemen are ready to go out there and work, but they literally can't get down the street. Right. Because of ice and snow. Ice, snow, branches, cars that are stranded. It's littered with mayhem. Okay. No different is the problem of when you went to the grocery store, if you're in Texas or were in Oklahoma recently even, um, during these storms, you go to the grocery store and the shelves are empty. Right. Well, trucks can't get there mm-hmm. fast mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. to get... A, and this is, this is another... Uh, to steal language, this is line congestion. Mm-hmm. The trucks can't get there fast enough with all the toilet paper for all the butts that are trying to be wiped. <laughs> okay. All right. So that happened because of the weather and also mm-hmm. because Texas, like many states in the South, does we don't have snow plows down here. We don't have, right. we have a limited amount in right. Oklahoma. I have to think it's even more limited in Texas. Um, and so that's going on. The The lines are down. That means all of a sudden... People have been running their heaters. They've been running all the things to try mm-hmm. to stay warm and all this stuff because we have a winter storm going on. So all of a sudden these lines go down and then the need for the energy to be distributed to homes and apartment buildings and businesses is up here, but then it drops all the way off, right? Right. The demand, and you can't think about demand like I demand to have energy. Right. It, to be considered true demand, it has to be both you want it and it's theoretically available yeah in the moment that lines are severed no matter how badly you want it you're technically not demanding it yes because there's no way for it to get to you right 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 that changes the the landscape now let's jump up to generation okay okay so you have you have wind in texas and it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 percent by nameplate value and that's a whole conversation too yeah of, of what that can produce you have uh Natural gas, you have coal. I would assume there's probably a few nuclear facilities. There's, I know there's at least one in the Houston area. Yeah, yeah. So all of these different means of satisfying the mix from base to intermediate to peaker, all of that. Um, so everything needs fuel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Even wind needs fuel. And you could view that simplistically and say it needs wind mm-hmm. as the fuel. What, what a lot of people are unaware of is that the the mechanics inside of a windmill they it's a, it's very exacting uh, it's it's truly an engineering marvel yeah. what they are they're massively huge yeah all of those components need to be at a certain within a certain temperature range or operating them can damage them mm. and so I would assume this is true of Texas I know it's true of Oklahoma and there are portions of Texas that are the same. Uh, latitude, if yeah. you will, is Oklahoma, mm-hmm. that each one of those windmills has a natural gas heater so that when temperature dips too low mm-hmm. for it to be able to operate, that that natural gas heater is there to heat up the windmill so that it can still operate. Okay. Now, we could go down a whole path about how you're paying twice as much for your energy now. That's another conversation. Yeah. Um, it's not... It's not a mature technology. Yes. And I have no apologies for making that statement. If you want to fight about it, contact me privately. I'll give you my address. Yeah. Because I know what the hell I'm talking about right here. Yes. Okay. In any event. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. One of the problems that occurred, it is not, you can't blame natural gas facilities. You can't blame, you can't blame generation. The problem is supply chain. I can't run without fuel. Right. Well, there were problems with natural gas pipeline. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's an exception to this rule, but... For everywhere that I looked and for the most part of what would be true is pipeline companies are not owned by generation facilities. Okay. And so if you want to bitch at the the generation facilities for not winterizing the pipeline, well, that wasn't their job. Interesting. It's not their pipeline. Okay. So some generation facilities could not get access to the natural gas required to turn their facility on and run it. And likewise, there was a lot of debate of do we channel what is available to the generation facilities or do we skip them and send it to the individual homes who have the ability to heat through natural gas? Right. And it's a valid argument, um, but it also exemplifies the point that if 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 you're in that quandary, it exemplifies the point that distribution has been so beat up at this point that we might benefit more people by sending them natural gas than by sending it to a plant that can't deliver energy to them anyway. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there has to be, and thankfully, and you see this in the numbers now if you read the news, thankfully the weather, the the road conditions, all of these things have improved enough that the distribution system is massively being repaired at, at a breakneck speed. It is remarkable how well they've done. Yeah. Um, quite honestly, it's it's right on par with what Oklahoma just did in November of once crews could get out, those dudes, they may be honestly some of the biggest ass kickers in the nation. Right. They yes. got out there and got it done. Yes. So I did read a few things about different uh, energy generation facilities quote unquote, tripping offline. Mm-hmm. Is that true? And if so, what, why, when, where, how? 
for something to trip offline, there, uh, there's two perspectives where things could happen because every facility as well, um, so so much of everything still revolves around steam. Oh, like and, like a steam engine? Kind of, a little <laughs> more advanced than the old one, but it involves steam definitively, the need for water, all of that. And so if your, if your water pipes are also frozen, burst, problems, all of that, that then well, you're, you're going to have some fail-safes built into your system in the absence of fuel, in the absence of a, a means to safely operate through the inclusion of water, then you could have a plant that says, nope, all of these parameters are a big nope, we can't do yeah. this safely. Well, yeah. you'll, have, you'll have a hell of a bigger mess than you, than you think you even have in this moment. Right. Um, the other reason a plant would quote-unquote trip, it would be instruction from ERCOT that says, hey, the distribution system's down. Mm -hmm. We don't need you to produce. In fact, if you do produce, you're going to overload the lines, the yes. transmission lines, right. and the, all of the transformer stations and all of that. And you will create, if you continue to produce, you're going to create something that we cannot recover from in six, eight months' time. That would be a massive... That would be a massive thing. ...electrical uh, infrastructure yep. meltdown, basically. Some people might call it a shit mess. <laughs> Yes. Or a shit show. And a shit show. Yeah. Um, but again, this isn't this isn't out of the realm of what ERCOT does on a daily basis. Okay. So it's not like they were crap in their pants. Right. They were they were the cold stoic, just executing stuff systematically. They they were unhappy for sure for the people that weren't they weren't able to get power to, but they weren't over there in the fetal position crying on the sideline. No, they didn't have time. They were they were doing their job. So, but do you think that prior to the storm hitting, when they said, we're good, we're ready to go, do you think that they thought, I mean, I know you can't think what they thought, but... My, I can give you my suspicion. What's your suspicion? My suspicion is that from what ERCOT would most likely look at, they would say, what are, what are the expectations? What are the forecasts of what will be demanded? What is something multiple standard deviations away from that and can we sufficiently contract out mm. and expect to have produced what will be needed even if far more is needed than we anticipate mm -hmm. and they said yes and i don't think they were wrong mm -hmm. when you look at the breakdown and i'll misquote some numbers here because i don't have them in front of me i think i looked and saw that the the ERCOT has was it a 120 megawatt, gigawatt, it's probably gigawatt, I can't remember, in terms of total capacity versus total highest ever demand. And, and we can read all the articles right now, they're like, oh, this huge spike in demand. This huge spike in demand is a huge spike in demand for this time of year normally, but it's still nowhere near what the spike in demand is during July. Right. They yeah. have capacity, they have generation capacity well over probably 30, 40% in excess of what the biggest spike ever seen is and even taking into account projections of what it could be since consumption growth since the last time we had this big spike. Right, because in Texas, uh, this winter weather is extremely highly unusual, like you said, once in a generation, once right. in a lifetime. However, on any regular August day in Texas, it's going to be 108, 110 degrees. Right. We don't see blackouts and outages because everyone's running their air conditioner around That's the That's right. That's right. So they, the it's not that the infrastructure 
itself was unprepared. It's just not the electric infrastructure. Right. Yeah. There was there's again there's issue with the supply line, the natural gas getting to where it needed to be, but even within that, here and here's where I'm sure there's somebody out there probably not listening to this show because that's not our audience, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there's somebody out there that could look and explain this more in depth. There's there is a government website, federal government website that gathers reporting for all of this, mm-hmm. much like you have the crimes and statistics sure. federal reporting that receives every local police department reports to them. Same thing for energy. Yeah. So everybody's reporting in through there. And they looked and said, um, they showed what forecast demand was. They showed what actual demand was. And they showed what actual production was. Mm-hmm. And the two lines on this on this graph that represented actual demand and actual production, mm-hmm. they laid on top of each other so neatly there was no separation between the two. And that's what makes me say, well, at the same time, now actual demand was, for a time, 50% less than what forecast demand was. Because the forecast did not foresee... No, no. Oh. The forecast, because the forecast, again, operates not just on long-term numbers, but it, it's even updating every 15 minutes. Okay. So you bet your ass they knew how. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Knew, they knew what demand was going to be. And that, well, they knew what demand would be, and here's my point, is to say so long as it was deliverable. And that's what I was going to say. Yes, the forecast could not foresee the distribution stoppage that right. happened right. because of lines going down, etc. But had distribution stayed online, yeah. they they did have a pretty damn accurate idea of how much energy would be used based on rising or falling temperatures, rising demand. They had that charted out and they would have had generation lined up and ready to go for that. It's that all of a sudden there was no demand comparatively okay, because people weren't connected. So I suspect, and I can't guarantee this, I suspect that a lot of what we're talking about with plants tripping offline well, the majority of that is likely because they had to to prevent from overloading yes. the grid. Okay. Not not Under- because of other problems. Okay. Because another, and this was earlier on in the storm happening. I haven't seen this reporting for a few days now, but I was seeing some reports of like, well, Texas just flat ran out of energy. And because they're their own energy island, they can't yeah. borrow from any other energy areas. But that's, that's a flawed perspective. Okay. In in states of true emergency, they could close the interconnect mm-hmm. to surrounding and they could pull power from other places. And so because they can, and they, they don't do it often, I think they're, the last time may have been in the 50s, I'm probably misquoting that, but they don't do it often. I think if there was that much online where they they had demand that wasn't being satisfied that they would look in an instance like this to bring it in. It's just simply that the line system, the actual physical grid that you look at was not in place to deliver it. Okay. Because again, on this on this chart, on this graph, demand was met. Yeah. Okay. Now there would there's other things that happened that happened preemptively, mm-hmm. um, even threatened to happen here in Oklahoma, and they didn't follow through with, and these are planned oh, blackouts. Yes. Okay. Where in anticipation that 
whether it's due to line congestion, whether it's due to what kind of generation facilities we have available, all of that, you might, to avoid a situation of brownout and problems of too much use occurring, recognizing how much fuel you had available, all of that deep communication, better communication than you can imagine. Yeah. They would have said, okay, well, we're going to roll through systematically mm -hmm. and prevent for a couple hours at a time, different regions from potentially overwhelming right. with demand. Yeah. Yes. That's a, that's a part of sort of more like crisis management. Yes. It's, it's, yep. Stop it before it starts. Yes. Okay. Um, Anything else on that particular? I, from what I can tell, again, I don't. I didn't sit and spend weeks looking at this part because yeah. it's right now, and it'll only be right now, hopefully, right. for a long time. Yeah, it still seems like even with the number of natural gas facilities that did end up needing to be shut down due to lack of fuel and all of that, it still seems like that there is because every, everybody's going to overcompensate in their in their planning ahead of time, it seems like there's still enough capable of running that whenever demand is back because all of, all of uh, distribution has been reestablished, they're okay. Mm -hmm. They're going to, it may be a little bit stronger of a strain normally than what's on the system. People running, more facilities running, running at a higher capacity than normal, all of that, but that it still should be able to satisfy demand as it, as it ratchets up. Okay. So going back to the big question, you know, when you and I were growing up, we had things to worry about like acid rain. Do you remember mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. uh, we might worry about, is the sun going to burn out before, you know, is that what's going to happen to us? Right. The sun just burns out. Is something we need to add to our list of worries that the nationwide power grid, which is old and has not been maybe updated as much as we might think it has been. Is it going to, is it minutes from falling apart? Right. What's going to happen? Right. As I understand it, the greatest dangers have nothing to do with the age okay. of what's out there. Um, it is not uncommon for even now some of the coal-fired plants, which is comparatively an ancient technology. Mm, dinosaur technology. Um, there are some of those in existence still producing today that are well over 100 years old. Whoa. Pretty impressive. I did right? not know that. When you when you keep things pretty mechanically simple, yeah. they just run. Okay. They just run. I just sold a 2012 pickup, which looked like a, a relic yeah. compared to other things. And it had, believe it or not, crank windows. Yeah. How dare you? Yes. How dare you? How dare you? Um, you know how many problems I had with the crank windows? Uh, literally none. Not a single one over time. And in the same time frame that we owned that pickup and had no problems with the windows, we had two different... I had a Toyota Camry, a Toyota Avalon, and we were getting there on your Toyota Sienna. So call it three different vehicles, all that had power windows. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> big probs. Mm -hmm. You went to the bank teller and you were like, should I roll the window down or should I open the door? Because I don't know if the window's going back I up. have to open the door. Sorry about yeah. that. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. It's awkward. It hurts my armpit to reach <laughs> over the door, but it's cold and the window won't go up. That's right. That's right. Uh, but to go back to the nationwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the real, the three, the real threat in it, who knows how real it is? I don't know. The real threat is the modernization, if you will, the centralization mm -hmm. of control. Okay. Um, if you were a nefarious 
entity and you called yourself ISIS or whatever the case may be. Yeah. The sons of anarchy, whatever, Whoa. or daughters of anarchy, as it were. Okay. Sisters of anarchy, whatever, right? You Somehow. Be, you don't want to be sexist. Yeah, right. Anybody can participate. Ladies can fire up that anarchy too. That's right. In fact, we've, we've seen some things where women rioters beat up uh, men who were minors that were trying to break the strike. Oh yeah, I and, forgot about yeah. that. That was a long time ago. That was a thing. Yeah. So yeah, if, if you were committed, if any group was committed, it's easier now to disrupt the grid than ever because so many things are becoming centralized. And okay. when you have, you couldn't go, you couldn't go knock out a single power plant most likely and cripple much. Okay. Uh, because because the interconnect allows yeah. a larger number of generation facilities to apply. But if you were to strike in a fashion that screwed with say ERCOT in okay. some way, if you could meaningfully do that to knock offline the, the air traffic controller, um, then you create mayhem. Mayhem and chaos. Yeah. Okay. Uh, individually, the bigger the bigger a facility is, the more problematic it becomes. Typically, like a nuclear facility covers a massive area with their base generation. Yeah. Um, same would be true in areas that do hydroelectric. Okay. Uh, oftentimes, that if monkeyed with, could be severely disruptive. Yeah. Uh, you'd be forced in a moment to rely on stuff that's not geared towards what you're asking it to do. And that's kind of so. So yeah, that's a way that things could be problematic. And from a terrorist terrorist perspective, whether you're domestic or foreign, to attack one of the organizational centers for how everything works that's that's pretty crippling and spooky. But I don't think we risk looking at something. Oh, it just stopped working because it's old. Okay. All right. Now, a different perspective where we are our own worst enemy. Yeah. We mentioned, you mentioned at the top of the show, we are, we are investors in alternative technology. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of doing things cleaner, better, all of that. And, yeah. and I say that leading into the statements that wind and solar suck. Okay. It's not because... It's not because it's not because green. I'm a conservative that insists on destroying the atmosphere. Right. No, when you look at how all of these pieces play together. Okay. Wind and solar as advanced as they are from where they began. Number one, they are still massively immature technologies. The simple fact that you would need a natural gas heater next to your windmill and you're you're doubling up on the car, that's that's Problematic. It it also seems like maybe it less it makes it less green if you gotta get your yep. natural gas out there. You want to go a step further? Go look at all of the environmentally destroying portions of the manufacturing process. Oh, for a windmill, and then to transport all the parts, and then to put it up, and to realize that number one, it was never it was never profitable, absent of subsidy, and number two, that in twenty years' time, it's a standing junkyard. Mm-hmm. And right now, there's no law in place that would require anyone to take those down. It's, it, there's a whole mess there. Okay. Um, more importantly, though, in the current moment, is that I mentioned I mentioned way back early in nameplate capacity. If you are familiar with a generator mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form, you would know these come with a, a nameplate capacity on them that tells you this is what this can produce. Okay. And you know that you would never want to operate one at 100%. You'd want to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 85% so that you're not overstressing your stuff. Mm. But you'd know what you can expect from it. Well, uh, all of these dependent on a fuel source that is 
predictable, right? Yes. I know how much diesel I have if it's a diesel generator. That's what I was going to say. So you've got your generator. It runs on diesel. You know when I got to turn my generator on, I can run my refrigerator mm -hmm. and my heater, and that's about it. And as long I'm as... I'm not going to be running the dishwasher right. and the washing machine and the dryer. Right. Because it just doesn't have that capacity Right. Or do it. it does. I bought in consideration of that, okay. and it can, whatever the case may be. And okay. you know, as long as I have diesel to put into this... Yeah. I can get what I want, and I know ahead of time what my diesel supply is, whether right. I've got a day, a week, a month, whatever I've done to myself. Yeah, okay. Well, the wind can change. Sure. Very drastically, as yeah. can sunshine with clouds and different things change mm -hmm. very drastically, very quickly. And so there's there's intervals that can happen lightning fast. Well, maybe not quite lightning fast, but happen very fast yeah. and completely disrupt what's going on. Yeah. And so if I'm depending, if I'm ERCOT, or whoever, and I'm depending on that wind, that sun, that whatever the case may be to provide some predict. I can't count on the nameplate capacity. Mm. I have to count on some fractional portion of that. And everything that I'm going to base that off of can only be dictated by what we've experienced in the past. And as new, still, I know it may not feel like new. It like doesn't, but if you have a 10-year-old baby, it's not a newborn, but it's still a new human, <laughs> right? Yes. You don't have enough historical data to make not just meaningful predictions for the day-to-day, -day, yeah. but meaningful predictions for when hell froze over and it vomited on Texas. Yeah. Well, but can I ask you this? We got real freaking windy days in Oklahoma sometimes. And then mm -hmm. days like today, it's kind of nice outside. Why can't, on those real freaking windy days, why can't we just store what we don't use? Two reasons. One, again, the the, the windmill, the wind generator is only going to operate within a certain range. And they're going to, they're going to cut off portions of the range that are unlikely. Okay. So that they can be more efficient in the ranges that are likely. Okay. So you go above a certain mile an hour of wind, and they have to turn off. <gasps> that seems counterintuitive to having it a does. wind turbine. But you can't, you can't let your, you can't let your shit run so fast it breaks apart, right? I guess it's like driving the minivan in the <laughs> in the Indy five hundred. It doesn't work. All right. It doesn't work. You'll blow it up. All right, all right. So okay. they they have to operate within a, a, a prime layer of parameters. But number two, there is currently. This will offend some people that have read bad information, potentially. Okay. There is currently no fiscally viable means of storage. And probably somebody's like, well, plainly, you haven't read about what Tesla did with the batteries in California. You'd be wrong. I've read all about that. I'm deeply, deeply familiar with that. And by familiar, I mean, I know what I'm talking about. I it's it's not viable. Yes, they're doing it overseas, uh, Australia, New Zealand, different places. Uh, Hawaii has some of this. There's in combination more with solar than wind. Yeah, there's there is battery storage. It's I think the best return I've seen yet, uh, and this is high end, is that eighty percent of what's restored could be returned for usage again. And that's, I don't believe that's chemical storage, which is what battery is. I think that was mechanical storage, which is more, what hydroelectric would do is when they're producing more than they can use in the moment, yeah. they'll turn around and pump water back up to a top reservoir oh. so that it can be released later to run through. Mm -hmm. That's a whole thing too. Um, that we're not even getting. Yeah, into. but there's, yeah. there is no, when you, when you look at what it costs, 
and then not taking into account the impact that that literal manufacturing of the batteries has on the environment, which is pretty heinous in mm -hmm. some instances. Mm -hmm. Just materials cost, equipment and materials and replacement over time, all of that. Storing excess energy produced is take away the subsidies, take away the subsidies are a bullshit way of hiding costs. Mm -hmm. You take away that and really look at things on an, on an even keel basis. It's more expensive to try to store it than it is just to turn the generators off and on. Okay. So what you're saying then, let's just take wind. I don't understand solar that much, but I'm sure it's sort of parallel. Mm -hmm. But you've got, you've got these wind turbines. They can't run when it's real super windy. Right. And they certainly aren't going to run when it's like today. And right. There's no wind. Yeah, it's peaceful. So there's this range. And so it's use it or lose it. Now or never, baby. That's right. That's right. And because of that, and this is, this would be, this is some deep butthurtness within the, the rest of the energy matrix. Uh -huh to really force and shoehorn wind into the equation, which is what our federal government has done. Mm -hmm. They have instituted law basically that says if, if these wind turbines are producing, whether it's a piss trickle or a crap load, if we want to stick with toilet oh, humor, there we go. Um, whatever it is they're producing, if they're producing anything, then grid operators, you must bring that into the mix, pay them for it, and you use all of the other technologies to compensate to keep your, your line uh, frequency regulation correct. So you, if wind is blowing, you turn off natural gas. You turn off coal. If it's not blowing, turn on the natural gas and coal. Okay. Everybody else is forced to compensate for the inefficiencies of wind. Okay. Likewise, then, everybody else is charging subsidy to hide the additional cost because even still, wind is more expensive. Okay. Coal, as, as ugly as it may seem in some instances, it is so ridiculously cheap, especially when you're talking about a facility that's run for 100 years. Yeah. Even ahead of that, uh, just in, in debt payoff structure and all of that, there's nuclear may be the only thing that competes in price. They're both just almost free. It's ridiculous. You know, it... It would seem on the surface to be the opposite. You look at like the sunshine, mm -hmm. the wind, they're free. Let's harness it. That seems like it would be so cheap. And you look at like a coal mining plant facility, all of the things that seems like really, that would seem like that costs a lot of money to get coal out of the ground and turn it into energy. So it's so what it's like, the it's flip flop of what you would think. You, you have to appreciate that the longer something exists, the more opportunities there are to build in efficiencies. Yeah. Coal being the oldest resource out there, mm -hmm. they've had a long time to discover and implement efficiencies. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes to the damage of human beings to yeah. say, we're not going to pay you anything. Get your black lung and yeah. watch your parrot die and move on and all those Canary. things. Canary, how dare Canary, you? Canary, I'm sorry, Canary. <laughs> Put yes. a parrot in a coal mine? Damn, these parrots aren't lasting. <laughs> I need some canaries. <laughs> Um, yeah, now, and, and I guess that would be my, my olive branch to wind and solar. Yeah. They, I know how long they've been around. Don't argue with me. Oh, they're not new. They're new. They're in, new in the comparatively. Energy they're new at the, the right, they're new at the industrial level, yeah. for sure, at that size of implementation. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, you go buy all the solar panels you want and put them on the roof of your house until it caves in. And then 
you can be mad because one, it didn't work and two, your roof caved in. There has to be a much bigger installation for efficiencies to be recognized, yeah. but they have not been around. The technology is too young, all of that. They have not discovered yet the inefficiencies. Given time, they certainly may. Yeah. Um, but they do, there's so many things to be overcome, just like there were for coal originally, what's for coal originally, and natural gas. So just to reiterate, for the third time, neither you nor I are anti-clean energy. No, we I very much it. want I clean invest energy. in it. I risk my dollars towards uh, it. We have invested a large portion of what we uh, had available yes. into it. So, and we'll continue to. Yeah, we have literally put our money where our mouths are. It's just that some of the clean energy right now, namely wind and solar. Not as clean as they advertise for one and two. They don't work. Yeah. Period. It's not reliable and we need reliable, clean energy. Dispatchable is a word Dispatchable. that's used. Dispatchable, yes. Where ERCOT can, or any other operator, mm -hmm. they can call a coal, a natural gas facility and say, turn it on. Yeah. Well, they can't, they can't call and say, turn the wind on. Yeah. Make it sunshiny out. Some right. of those things. Yeah. Um, it's not dispatchable. It's problematic and everything else working around it. It can be made to work. We're proving that, but mm -hmm. we're paying for it. Mm -hmm. It requires, it requires less coal. Yeah. Which is one of the cheapest forms we have. It requires more natural gas, which is Cheaper in some instances yeah. than than other things. It's a great it's a great peaker facility. It's a pretty solid intermediate facility. Mm -hmm. It's not fantastic for base load. I think the grand governmental plan overall is get so much wind and solar in place that there's enough that even you know if only a fraction of it's operational that it covers base load and that then your intermediate and peaker facilities are all covered by natural gas. And that's a it's a plan. Okay. It, it could work. It depends how many solar panels and windmills you want to look at across yeah. the countryside because that's a whole other part of polluting the environment. Do you want no more pristine spaces left? Right. Yeah. Keep that's... in mind as well, where in the hell are you going to put them in New York? Where are you going to put them in L.A.? Where are you going to put them? Yeah. It's the center of the country where we just so happen to reside that's peppered with these damn things. They are everywhere. And again, so disturbing to me that... The those that are installed right now by the industry itself reporting it within 20 years time, they will be junk and there's nothing written into the contracting as it stands that anybody has the responsibility to come remove it. So then you'll have a countryside literally filled with a vertical junkyard after vertical junkyard after vertical junkyard. I don't like that. I don't like that either. Well, before we wrap up, any other points you wanted to make, first of all? I think just the overarching perspective here is that there is no singular place to point the finger as to what's gone on. Yeah. Um, and, and in fairness for Texas right now, for yeah. other disasters we'll unlikely see or very likely see in the future in other places. Everybody wants a simple place to blame. There isn't one. Someone will get blamed. Someone will be the scapegoat, the Oliver North of the whole situation. And that's sad there's a lot of things that can be fixed, that can be repaired, that prevent it from happening. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's it's not even really the energy industry who bears all the fault here. It's it is all of the utility. It's it's road upkeep. It's water pipes. You theoretically should be burying your water pipes deeply enough that a ground freeze doesn't impact them. Mm -hmm. Not All of that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of issues that contributed to this. Thankfully, my suspicion is within 
days and even a, a few short number of weeks. The recovery is going to take a while, but everybody will have power and water and the things that, that they need to survive again. Okay. All right. This was a whole lecture. It's a lot. Uh, not in a bad way. I feel like I went to a sort of collegiate level. Like a bad college. Seminar class. Like a, a regional bad college. Yeah. Maybe it's a, instead of a two-year associate degree, it's a one-year ass degree. Out at Shithook U. Yes, Shithook University. It's top competitor in all things terrible. That's an old family joke. <laughs> That one's older than Daisy. Yes, that's pretty is. old. So yeah, I've I've even contemplated having T-shirts made for Shit Hook You. <laughs> all right, if you listen to all of this, thank you. First of all, we hope this has been helpful. Yeah. More than anything, I feel upset reading different things in the media about like, oh gosh, if this happened in Texas, just think about what could happen in nationwide. Yeah. It, it does. It agitates you and it gets you like a little anxiety going. What's going to happen here? So thank you for explaining what happened and also just some very basic, but golly, this industry is so complicated that even mm -hmm. the most basic information is confusing at times. Thank you for What's an industry laying it out for where us. People only care when it doesn't work. Yes, absolutely. If all industries were members of a football team, energy is the offensive lineman. Nobody gives a shit until he missed his block and the quarterback got sacked. There we go. That's a perfect analogy. Well, anything else? I think that's everything. Okay. All right. Well, have an awesome today, would you? Please do. Bye-bye. Bye. Today is margarita day. If you don't like them, you could use a different drink to toast the margarita. That is not cheating. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and literally everywhere podcasts are found. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.